Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Maggie Ogden is a painter who lives and works in Brooklyn. She got a BA from Bard, her post-bac from Brandeis, and her MFA from Boston University. She also attended Skowhegan in 2011. She's shown at Freight and Volume, LTD Gallery, and most recently at Embajada in Puerto Rico. She's shown in group shows at Storefront Tenek, David Shelton Gallery, Leslie Heller, Spring Break, and Eddie's Room. Her work has been covered in Cultured Magazine, Modern Painters, The Paris Review, Art Info, The LA Times, and many others. I met Maggie at her bed studio and we talked about everything from playing trombone to working in the music biz to her vibrant, impressive paintings. Here's our conversation. students who kept asking me to play Bieber and I was like I'm not playing <laughs> Justin Bieber you know like yeah, I just yeah. really was judgy yeah and I then uh, that's understandable oh uh, yeah right yeah. but then he got into a couple songs that were on the radio yeah and they were the ones that like uh, Diplo produced oh yeah so they're actually yeah. that's the thing I think with his most recent album he got really good producers and um it's a better yeah it's album. A, or at least the one that the music like, is yeah. pretty good yeah you know He's. Have you seen the um, documentary about him? What's Bieber. Yeah. No. You have to watch it because he's actually a talented. He's like a child prodigy. Oh like yeah, he's really good. Yeah, at, like you'll see videos of him when he's three on yeah. the drum set, like really good. Yeah. Well, a um, lot of those weren't they like Mickey Mouse kids or something? Yeah, I don't think he was a Mickey Mouse kid, but he was like discovered on YouTube. Oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of those other kids were Mickey Mouse kids. I forget what it was called, the, but you have to watch the documentary. I'll find out and email it to you. Okay. Um, worth watching. Yeah. I, I'm not like a Bieber fan, but it's interesting it's okay. because he's actually a good musician. It's okay. You can admit it. You're a believer. <laughs> I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah, me too now. But yeah, I did get into a lot of like pop stuff. Yeah. Because when they play soccer, they listen to, there's like songs that they always play during practice. And, so, and it's just, the yeah. thing about pop music is it's pop music for a reason. Right. Like it's catchy. Right. You know, like right. Sia, I didn't really know her music, but then when you hear it over and over again, it's just, it's really catchy. I like it, I've never listened to Sia except on the Kanye West track that she's on. Like her music's pretty good. Is it? And it's very catchy. Like you yeah. just get it in your head and you can't stop. Well, that's why I don't mind pop music in the studio so much because, um, yeah, you can sort of tune it out. It's catchy. You learn it quickly, and then it's it sort of becomes just background background noise. music. Yeah. yeah. Do you need? Is that kind of what you need to work with? Yeah. Is like something that doesn't get too distracting. Definitely. Yeah. So no podcasts. Well, no. Sometimes I can do podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Like I've been listening a little to yours, and now um, like a lot of the news. First half of the day, I do news. Oh, that's depressing. I know, but I feel like I have to. I know, right? It, it's I have the same thing that I had after nine eleven. Yeah. Where I news yeah. binged, out of like you know panic. Yeah. And I feel like I'm my my mind wants me to go back there, so I'm paying att- more attention, of course. Right. But recently, but part of my soul says, <laughs> "Don't do it." <laughs> yeah. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. Um, so I like find I'll. I'll read some headlines and I'll get depressed, but then I'll find solace and like really creative, like, you know, yeah, like digging. I love digging back through and finding like music that I miss. That's really good. Yeah. Like fringe stuff. That's really amazing. And then I, that makes me feel good about humanity. Totally. Or like listening to stuff I've been doing, like listening to stuff I listened to when I was a kid or which oh, I yeah. find soothing the, these days. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, like when there were other like difficult times in the country, you know? Yeah. Like listening to music that was made then. Like we can get through this. They got through it. Right. What pulled you out of the of yeah. the, the trouble? Yeah. So what when you were a kid, what did you listen to? Um, I listened to like my um, dad listened to a lot of jazz and like classic soul and R&B. And so I think I got into that. Uh, Sounds like a cool dad. Yeah. Cool guy. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Vermont and then um, Massachusetts. So Vermont until I was like 
born in Boston and then Vermont until I was 11 or 12, and then uh, a small town on the coast of Massachusetts. So was Vermont, were you out there, or were you in, like, a town, a city? I was in a town. It's, like, a small, um, like, post-industrial city, so kind of shitty town, a lot of uh, big, like, factory buildings that are abandoned. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't like beautiful, bucolic Vermont. What do you think of when yeah. you hear the word Vermont? Yeah, but I mean, we had access to the beautiful yeah. Vermont. Um, so when you're a kid, you probably go out doing outdoorsy things. Definitely, yeah. 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 So how did, how did he get into jazz? Did he grow up with that? Have you ever asked him? I have <laughs> asked him, and now I'm like, what did he say? Uh, I think his mom worked um, part-time at like a jazz club at night. And That's maybe cool. that was his first introduction to it. Where did he grow he up? He grew up in Boston, too. In or, Boston? Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder what the jazz scene was like in Vermont in the <laughs> yeah, 40s, probably, 50s, 60s. Maybe yeah. non-existent. But, uh, but yeah, he and my mom actually both grew up in Boston. So. And what did they do? My mom is an artist, too, and an art teacher. Really? They're both in education. Yeah. That's cool. So And my dad um, was a teacher and then a principal and then... In, like administration and now he does sort of helping public schools um sort of that are struggling underperforming i guess yeah well did you get to see a lot of live music back then what was Um, the vermont music scene like not really i yeah i I, no, i didn't see my first concert was chicago and that's because um a, a family friend knew someone in the band and so we went to live Chicago concert but no I didn't see a lot of live music I think after Chicago it was like I was a 13 year old going to embarrassingly a Bush concert like with a friend um Gavin Rosdale yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so no and then when I was in junior high high school I got into I went to like a lot of Bob Dylan concerts and I got into go when I could get myself to the shows so did you go did your mother teach in the school you went to no she taught in uh when we were in vermont she was a junior high school art teacher and then um when we moved to massachusetts she taught in a different school system gotcha so you didn't get the mom teacher art teacher thing but she's no but she like at home but you learned art through her basically right or you yeah i think so did you go through that period i always wonder if you you know kids of artists go through that period where they want nothing to do with art or you kind of were willingly uninterested in it for a while? Yeah, I think so. I definitely, it went in and out of, um, I don't know, I was interested in then not, but it was more like, I didn't, I never assumed, oh, I could be like an artist. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, the only option is to be a teacher. And I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher. And so it just didn't seem like, I didn't, I didn't assume that I was also going to be an artist. So what were you into in high school? I was into art and I took like AP art and but I was also into music and writing and I think at that point I thought maybe I'd be an architect or mm-hmm. something in a creative field but not necessarily painting. Did you play an instrument? I played <laughs> <laughs> in junior high when, when you had to be in the band I played the trombone because my older brother played the trombone and so my parents bought one and so then I had to play the trombone because we already had the instrument. It's like the best instrument ever. <laughs> I love the trombone. It's a weird instrument. Did you? Yeah. Wait, was there, was there a jazz trombone leaning from your father? Was no. Was like he into like, you know, you know? There's some pretty great jazz trombonists. That's true. No, I didn't get that advance. I was. I think I did it for two years and then quit. But yeah. I was second chair, and the first chair introduced me to Nirvana. So. I thought the, that was going to go band. somewhere different. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> not the state. That's a little early to reach Nirvana in first chair. Um, so that's cool. So that yeah. changed your life? Was um, it like one of those music life-changing moments? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I was more, at that point, I was still more into, I was listening to a lot of like R&B mm-hmm. music. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, it did change. And what Nirvana did you... Did you come in at the Nevermind end of the stream, or was it later in utero and stuff like that? Uh, Nevermind, yeah, it was Nevermind. But I I think it was probably after he died. So it was like... In In the 90s, I forget when he died. But in in retrospect, or like it was... Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so that made you so want to leave the trombone. That was like, <laughs> why am I playing the trombone? I could play the guitar and wear flannel shirts. Um, no, so then, so I did, I ended up getting a guitar too and trying mm-hmm. that. But I was just not, I wasn't good at practicing. Also as a kid, my parents babysat a grand piano, a baby grand piano. And mm-hmm. so I, I played that a little bit, but I just never, I never really excelled at any instrument. I wasn't like naturally skilled right. and my parents didn't force me to practice, so... Well, did the Nirvana punk aesthetic sort of connect to you? You know what I mean? Because a lot of people who, you know, may not be just a savant at music, you know, you hear stuff like that. Like you hear the Ramones and you're like, I can do that. Right, right. You know, and then it's kind of a cool aesthetic too at that time. So, you know what I mean? Did you? Totally. No, I mean, I was into like, yeah, Kurt's aesthetic as much as like everybody else was like yeah. wearing flannels and, but um I got into like folk and classic rock, and I think that's maybe why I, I started playing the guitar more mm-hmm. than like Kurt Cobain. But um, I wasn't that good at guitar either, and I learned one song, "Tangled Up in Blue," and that's then pretty good. gave that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you still play it? I probably could. Probably yeah. right. Yeah. It's like that yeah. first song you learn, you just never forget. Right. Uh, I can't even remember what my first song was. But, um, you know, I can still play Stairway. Right. What was your first instrument? Was it guitar? No, it was, um, first instrument was piano for a little. I couldn't do the left hand, right hand thing. Yeah, that's tricky. So then it was saxophone. Okay. And I played that for a long time and bass clarinet a little bit. And then guitar came in high school, you know? It was like someone played me My Bloody Valentine tape and I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, that was the change my life sort of thing. Yeah. And then I went to see them play, and that changed my life, too. So it was like that moment. And I lost probably 10% of my hearing in one night. <laughs> it was so incredibly loud. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So um, so when you were in high school, you took AP art. Did that? Did you go? What did you do when you graduated? Where did you go to school? I went to Bard for undergrad, um, initially for, like, as an art major. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I guess my parents were pretty discouraging in terms of, not in a bad way, but they discouraged me from applying to strictly art schools. So I actually didn't apply to any. And, um, but went to, to Bard and was sort of, I don't know, I don't think I was ever that good in classroom setting for drawing, like getting assignments or, and not in like a cool way, but just, I also think I was immature and didn't have the um, like energy or drive really at that point to spend all my time in the studio. And I was seduced by like all the liberal arts classes that yeah. weren't offered. And um, So you got a well-rounded undergraduate education? Yeah, yeah. And so I ended up switching my major to human rights after my second year. That's so cool, that's a major? Yeah, it, it, it was sort of an experimental major at the time for undergrad. Um, and so they let us, we were guinea pigs and like let us sort of choose what, uh, I, my focus was on like social problems in the in the United States. Yeah. Um, mainly the like prison industry. That's amazing. So did yeah. you? That's what you got your degree in, or your major? I guess. Major was human rights for yeah. undergrad. Yeah. So then, what what did you do whenever you, like, when did you start making work? Making work. Yeah. So then, I, when I, I moved down to New York after I graduated, mm-hmm. and. Um, randomly worked in like the music industry for a while um doing what i was working for i thought i wanted to get into a and r and um was really into rap music and so damon dash and jay-z had just uh split up Mm -hmm. under rockefeller and damon started his own like record label called damon dash music group and i started working for them just as like an assistant um how was that the inside of that a and r world it was cool. I mean, it was weird because Damon, when they split, like Damon didn't get any of the good artists. Really, mm-hmm. they all stayed with JC, <laughs> and so it didn't last very long. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, it was like really exciting. But um, so still, like I knew I wanted to do something creative, but wasn't like oh, I'm gonna definitely be painting. Or, yeah. Um, but then I started, I was like unhappy and that record label shut down and I started taking classes at the Art Student League here, mm-hmm. the National Academy. And um, 
Just out of a desire to like make work? Or, yeah. 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 I was like, oh, I really miss this. Um, and all throughout BART, even when I was a human rights major, I was still like taking printmaking classes, painting yeah. classes. It just wasn't my focus. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just miss making work. And so I started taking, just doing, going in like once a week or twice a week for classes to start making work again. And that was, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go back to graduate school. I was just like, oh, I want to be drawing or you painting. You just want to be active. Yeah. Did it rekindle the fire? Or it definitely it de- did. And then I started like, okay, at home I, I set up an easel and I was making work at, in my apartment mm-hmm. um, again. So, what kind of work were you making then? I mean, just stupid stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like embarrassing. Just like, I don't know, portraits or still lifes or just anything that yeah. I could, you know. Just making work. Just making work, yeah. We yeah. should do a show though of, of, of like a gigantic... Uh, amount of artists who are doing well and are really interesting of like all their student work like <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. submits one piece I, no one has any of it anymore right do right. you have any of your student work no i mean my mom probably has some but um i don't even have the slides of no. them anymore yeah no, i know <laughs> i actually have to have some slides for my high school like application um but no i don't have stuff yeah i get embarrassed and throw like everything out yeah um but we could probably track them one piece down, though, per person. Definitely could, yeah. We yeah. used to have uh, sales at school, you know, like the end of the semester where you sell it for like 10 to 50 bucks, you know, right. like a giant painting. <laughs> and like every once in a while, I'll get an email from someone who's like, hey, still love that painting. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, they still know. I got an email from someone recently who found one of those paintings at the dump in my parents' town. Yeah, I know. Did they were they saving it for you? Yeah, you they were saving <laughs> You're it. like, it's okay. It's in there for, it's it's in it's the right place. <laughs> my, my parents threw that away for a reason. Yeah, yeah. When I go home, which is rarely, when I go back home, there's some early early work, but it's kind of cool to see it. It is nice it, to see. It, it takes you back. Yeah, yeah. But that would be a good show. Yeah. Anyways, sidetrack. Sorry. So now you're starting to take classes Start, in the city. Starting to take classes in the city. Yeah, and it just like re kindled my interest in it I was like oh yeah this is there's a reason why I was doing this before and um still was just making work to make work and I mm-hmm. started taking another printmaking class up um at the National Academy and I think after a couple of years of that and just working other jobs in the mm-hmm. city like full-time jobs does job jobs or more music or creative stuff um I got a, a job at I worked for Condé Nast for a little mm-hmm. while so like job jobs yeah. but I thought they were still within like the cre- creative world, so I was like, maybe I could be happy doing this. Or, but anyway, I was still like way more interested in the art classes that I was taking at night, and just yeah. like that was the only thing I was looking forward to. And so eventually, after a few more years, I was like, okay, I need to take this more seriously and go back to school. But I was so unprepared because I hadn't, like, you know, it'd been a while since I was at Bard. I didn't really have any, wasn't you know, in contact with any of my professors there. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I had a friend, uh, my friend's mom who was teaching, she's a painter, Robin Dash up in Boston. And she was teaching at Brandeis at the time. And Brandeis has a Mm post-bac program that's like cheaper than most in a really good program. And so, um, she put me in touch with them and I ended up, I think they accept everyone or at the time they accepted everyone who applied. And so I got in. So you did that. So I did that. Is that two years? It was two years. It's one or two years. I stayed for two. Um, And it was amazing. Yeah, they were really, everyone was great. And it was more, it was good for me because it was more studio based. So like I said, like I was never really interested in in being in a class or just didn't excel in that sense. And, uh, and so it was all just. You're making work. People come in and visit you and talk about your work. Exactly. Crits, studio visits, and you're making work in like a private space. So So how was it like up there, come down to New York, grind it out for a little, get jobs, go back up how long was the the gap in between so i guess i, I finished barda in 2005 and then 2008 i started um the post back so there's this there's always this dilemma you know of like students do i go directly to grad school or do i go to you know post back do i do school after undergrad right away or do i wait right for you was it a good thing or do you feel like you could have gone well you didn't want to go straight away because you didn't know at that point no how I was, was it cr- yeah i i was still interested in you know maybe working for a nonprofit mm-hmm. with the human rights stuff or like I said I thought I'd wanted to work in the music industry so yeah it was good for me to just have like life experience and live in the city I knew I wanted to be in New York and um 
to just work. And then I think by the time I got to school, I was just really kind of focused and yeah. driven and motivated. You got a two-year oasis where you don't have to worry about this crap and like paying bills, like well, paying bills, but you know what I mean, like right. That, there's a little less pressure probably and you could focus on making work. Totally. So did you make a ton of stuff? Yeah, just made a ton of work. And um, yeah, it was just a really great time. The faculty is amazing there. And, and um, there's like a wood shop right in the studio building. And so it just started building huge stretcher bars and, um, and just producing. I mean, there was a real emphasis on spending time in the studio and yeah. working as much as you can. Um and so, yeah, it was it was a really great like learning experience, and in terms of like building a portfolio for, and it sort of functioned like an MFA program. Yeah, but it's not. Did you feel towards the end of it, okay, now I want to go back and jump into the pool, or did you feel like, oh, now I feel like I need or want to do an MFA because now I could really use another two years, you know what I mean? Or how, would, how did you feel at the end of it? Yeah, I, both. I, at first I was like, oh, you know, maybe I, sorry, I just, um, maybe I should just move back to New York now and like maybe this is all I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's such a luxury to be able to, even if you're taking out loans, like take that time and just dedicate it to making work and having people come into the studio and talk about it and, yeah. Uh, dialogue with their, your peers and so yeah so I, I was excited to I mean I feel like if I could go back again for two more years to a different grad school I would you right. know it's yeah. like um, I missed that but yeah so I was I was excited to keep keep going so what did point. you do after that so then I went to Boston University there's like a big connection between the Brandeis faculty and Boston University mm-hmm. and Dana Frankfurt, who teaches at BU, yeah. was a visiting artist at Brandeis, and um, she you was like a friend her. and mentor, yeah. and I really liked working with her, and so, so yeah. I was your work at Brandeis, was it starting to take shape into what it is now at all, or was it totally different? No, I think so, yeah, definitely. There are... Um, the beginnings of it? Yeah. I was painting um, with oil paint at the time, but I was still often using undressed canvas but I was just using rabbit skin glue mm-hmm. to prime the surface um and yeah I I think it was it's anyway yeah it was starting to, it's starting to, to get there yeah so how was um the Boston experience it's no, such it's, a different town than New York you know it is it was easy for me to stay because a lot of my family is around there yeah. um and it's small but yeah it, different town. I mean, I had been sort of spoiled by living in New York previously. And so it's the whole time, like, can't wait to get back to New York. And mm-hmm. there's like all this good art there and motivated people. And I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. Boston seems so provincial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But... I don't even know what the, I mean, isn't the art. Well, I mean, there's a few galleries that are doing a some few stuff. galleries, and, then and the there's schools. the ICA there's and the, the MFA. Too. I mean, it should be like a better art town. Yeah, and there's SMFA and Mass Art and yeah. Art Institute and Boston. Um, so no, there is like an art small art scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the gallery scene is limited to yeah. you know a handful of places, I guess. Exactly. But I think a lot of people, you know, who started in Boston come to New York and end up doing well down here, you know? I think so. Yeah, and it's so close. I could come down for a day if I wanted to see a gallery show or a museum show. Um, I never thought, oh, I'm going to stay in Boston just because I went to school here. I mean, in retrospect, I feel like maybe I should have gone to school in New York where you could then, like, build a community and have access to everything. But... It was probably best that I was out of the city. Plus yeah, but you can build distractions. That. You can build that community regardless. You know, no, don't you think? No, it's true. It, yeah. it happens one it's way or another. probably just easier. If yeah, you... definitely. If you got the, the school connection and you got a couple of people. But then I know people who go to school in New York and it seems like they just, it's too much or something. You know, like you're in it and yeah. you're, I don't know how, especially undergraduate younger students come to New York and then devote all their time in the studio with all the distractions there are. Yeah, I never would have Especially if you're coming from outside New York and you're like, oh my God, there's an amazing music like performance every night and there's shows all over the place and there's places to go hang out and you know what I mean? It just seems like there's too many distractions. It was hard enough in the middle of the woods up at Bard, way too many distractions. I can't imagine being here. 
Well, that brings me to the next question is Skowhegan. Oh, yeah. Which is no distractions. No distractions, yeah. <laughs> Unless you really like swimming in a pond where you can get duck itch. I know. You know that <laughs> turned me off. Before I went up, I was like, I'm going to swim in the pond every day. Yeah. And then I, I don't think I, I went in once. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go in, got made fun of it, and then everyone got duck itch, and then I laughed at that. <laughs> you had the last laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went between my first and second year at BU. I went to Skowhegan. Oh, so during school. How was that? Did it... It was great. Yeah, I feel like in terms of um, confidence, which I think I needed at that time, it really helped. And um, the work I made up there wasn't necessarily that good, but I came back, I think, with a strong idea of what I wanted to do in the studio Mm -hmm. and what I cared about. And I made some great friends, really good friends that I'm still close to. Um, And so, yeah, it was was awesome. Were there people there that, um, as far as the visiting artists or faculty I don't think they call them faculty but like you know the visiting artists who you were really into or made an impact yeah I guess the visiting you know it's funny because you interviewed Claire Grill and she was also up there and she also had um Susan Freecon in the studio that's who and that's who I had as a visiting artist and how is she I've never met she's super supportive and like an amazing artist and but it wasn't like a hard you know, it was like yeah. having my mom in the studio. Just a lot of Skowhegan crits are like that, I think. Really? Because I had that experience, too, where people were like, yeah, man, just keep going. You know, like that sort <laughs> yeah. of deal. Like, yeah. Where it's less like, you know, in grad school where it's just, you know, posturing and power relation. I don't know. It's just a lot different dynamic. Right. Skowhegan seem more like, hey, man, cool. Let's all make <laughs> keep art. Working. Yeah. Let's go take a dip. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, was, it did have a feel of, like, you got in, so now, like, you don't have to work that hard here, you know, have a good time. But everyone worked really hard, I feel like. Oh, no, yeah, there. I think yeah. people worked really hard, but as yeah. far as critiques were concerned, it was more like, hey, we're all just artists doing our thing. And, right. like, I, this looks interesting, keep going. You know, it was less exactly. like, well, what do you, you know, like, grilling you and, like, really right. yeah, pulling no, the rug out from under any. you, which some schools do that, you know. Totally. But yeah, so that was a great experience, right? So and that was then great, yeah. I, I feel like it. I have more friends from Skowhegan. Like, that was a, a tight-knit community of people who just go on to to like do stuff. And, and Absolutely, I yeah. I just keep in touch with a lot of people from there. And I do, too. Yeah, I feel like the nine weeks up there was like as good as the two years in a grad program. Yeah. And like I said, yeah, I met some really good friends. Including our mutual friend, Joe. Including Joe, yeah. yeah. So... So after Skowhegan, well, so you graduated and then moved back down to the city? Yep. Got a studio? Got a studio. What year was that when you came down? 2012. 2012. So you've been doing it for half a decade now? Yeah. <laughs> on this, on the, the second New York tour? How's exactly. it? And did you bounce around with studios? Was getting a studio difficult at first? How was that process? I did, yeah. At first I had like a shared space with somebody from Skowhegan, which was... Uh, you know, fine and cheap, but it was like a wall in someone else's studio, essentially. And so that was short-lived and then went out to Bushwick because I thought that's where I had to go. That's I was like, go. that's really cool. Of course. <laughs> uh, and, but it was expensive and small. And um, I was also just still, you know, transitions are hard for me. Mm-hmm. I like getting into a new studio and making work and moving cities. And so I just... I was working really small and it wasn't going too well. It was more just a place for for me to go and like push paint around. You know, I was yeah. just like to feel like I didn't waste the last four years. You yeah, know, like, like you're I, still, you yeah. know, always have that feeling. <laughs> Sometimes your environment changes when you move or your studios move, whatever it is, but you almost feel like it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I just got to do something. Exactly. To keep, it's like exercising or something. It's exactly. like I've got to at least walk some or I'm gonna like <laughs> yeah. turn into a total lump you know what I'm saying like totally. it, so with artwork it's like even cause like when I first moved uh, to the city I didn't have a studio at first I was crashing a sofa in Queens and I was just making tiny collages because <clears throat> I only had a stack of magazines and paper right I couldn't even paint because I was in an apartment where there was no space to paint you know but just right. doing that well a it opened up a whole new door collage for me but b it was just <laughs> You know, easy. I yeah. just need a glue stick and a pad of paper and some magazines. Right. No, yeah, actually when I first, the first few months when I was just living on someone, like 
staying with my friend's mom. I was doing the same thing, just had like doing small watercolors just yeah. to feel like, you know, and working full time and just trying to keep art fit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is like a muscle. I, yeah. I feel like even if I take a few days off, it's hard for me to get back into it. Yeah. I know. Well, so since you've been working pretty consistently, you know, yeah. for a while now, do you, do you purposefully take some time off here and there just to step away? I feel like the older I get, I do need some of that time away from the studio to sort of see things. I feel like I went through 10 years there of just making work every single day and never taking a break. Yeah. <laughs> but breaks sometimes are valuable. Breaks are valuable. Yeah. Now I'm sort of, a, I just try to work as much as I can, but I do like after I just had a, I had a show, I guess in September mm-hmm. and, um, I've tried to force myself to get back into work immediately, which probably I should have just embraced a break because yeah. it was a real struggle to start making work again. The post-show, like, wrestling match in your mind. And you're, you're <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I'm like, I guess I just can never make a painting again. That's going to be my life. <laughs> um, so, and there was a few months of that, and that's hard because it's it becomes cyclical, and I would just be frustrated but still come in every day, and I should have just, like... I've gone to visit my parents for a month or something. Take an eye break. Yeah, um, but but yeah, no, it is important to to take breaks, and I don't do it as much as I should. But yeah, I, well, no, I don't want to get too arty, but um, why, can you talk a little bit about your paintings? <laughs> yeah, I guess we can do that since we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or we could just go back to Bieber. I mean, come on. There's a lot to talk about there. <laughs> there is a lot to talk about. I need to think of the documentary. Uh, so I only know your, I've, in all honesty, I've only known your work from it looking similar to what it's looking. You know, like I've, I came upon your work fairly recently. Mm-hmm. But um, you, so has your process changed a lot? And, and what is your process? And what do you, you know, just what's, what do you think about in relation to these? Yeah. So I guess process-wise, I'm painting sort of exclusively, I guess, on raw canvas now with acrylic and um, really watered-down acrylic and for a few different reasons. Like um, I used to, in grad school, I was painting with oil, but I, I sort of love acrylic now, just how fast it dries and how directed it, like I can paint right on raw canvas without priming it at all. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know. I feel like the the colors are almost as sophisticated now as oil colors are. They're getting better. Well, they're punchy too. I mean, the yeah. plastic gives you a certain luminosity and kind of an artificial. Like you can get this neon and totally. and some of these colors are pretty bright. Yeah. But you mute a lot of it too. So yeah, is that kind of you know that punch good with the acrylic? I yeah, yeah. I love I love neons. I like I like that punch. I but I also I mean I like how the acrylic sort of absorbs into the raw canvas. It almost becomes like watercolory. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a warmth to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and then what is what are you influenced by as far as like what you're looking at? Because my mind goes to certain time periods mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way but yeah. I'm interested in what you're thinking about as far as you know the relationship of this kind of image to what you're influenced by or if it's just completely you know improvisational and, and from your mind and not related to any well I'm sure it's related like to different times in our history for sure or like things that I look at or like modernism or but I with I for me, the work often like drives. I'm not looking at anything specifically. I suppose when I, mm-hmm. aside from my own like sketches or doodles or um, drawings, when I'm making the work, I think the work for me drives. Like, I don't know, influences the other work. I, sorry, I'm not articulate. No, it's kind myself. of self-referential in yeah. a way. Like you'll make a drawing and that'll spawn something. I would imagine at some point, like, did you always use text in these? No. You know, that. I guess within the last couple of years, the text has come in. I mean, I, I feel like I dabbled in, I did some paintings with strictly text and then more of, like, pure abstractions. And then at some point when I was back in New York after grad school, I was just like, oh, like, no one's paying attention to me, so I can just put 
whatever I want in these paintings, and that's yeah. fine. There's um, like a freedom to that, right? Yeah. And it was a way, I think, to sort of personalize them or add, like, humor to them um, while I was still, like, interested in abstraction. I guess I've always been interested in storytelling, but not a good, like, writer or... I don't know. It was a way for me to bring a narrative in, I mm-hmm. suppose, um, to the work. One thing that's really interesting is in my mind when I look at them, I, I see what you're talking about, like this relationship to a modernist kind of abstraction in a way, like loosely. Yeah. But then there's also this relationship to like comics. Yeah. Or like cartoon, like like Sunday huh. newspaper comics. And part of that is text and part of that, there's like a whimsical element to it, but there's no narrative necessarily. It's just the touch of it or something feels like it's drawn with a lightness or with some humor to it, but it's not like, um, it's not like a character of that. It just feels like an honest kind of drawing sensibility of that. Yeah. Is that something that you think about merging in the work? Um, I've never really thought about, um, yeah, I mean, comics, let's see. What do you mean specifically? Sorry. Like Just merging like, the well, there's kind of a levity and a light, lightness of some of the drawing sensibility in it. Yeah, but it's embedded. But then there's a real sophistication of like how you're laying things over top of each other to where it's playing with figure ground and it's references like maybe stained glass or or you know translucence and um, you know the formal element of the painting is sophisticated in the way that you're layering in the way that you your composition is. But there's a very like honest, lighthearted, almost humor-like um, gesture to it. But it's composed in a way, too, because it's not just a doodle that's on a piece of paper. It's painted. So right. in other words, I, it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything specifically, but those are all ingredients that are really interesting in relation to each other, I think. Yeah, no, and I think you're um, picking up on like a lot of the mark-making or, or uh, the imagery from the... Um, and the paintings initially were drawn and then drawn again onto the canvas. And so I think that they have a lightheartedness to them because they were initially, I don't like saying doodles, but essentially like doodles, things that I put down when I, when, I, <laughs> when I wasn't really thinking about like making a painting, you know, I was just sort of letting my hand move. And so that has like a, an immediacy and like um, a lightheartedness to it. And then, but then once I like, would sift through all that material and and say like oh that's an interesting mark or that's I like that symbol and I want to repeat it or yeah. I like how it seems scratched or you know but then it's deliberately applied again or repeated. Yeah. It's like and a so, nice combination. Yeah. You know it's funny cuz doodles can really be amazing. I don't know. You could call it a doodle or you could call it like an autorhythmic existential expression. Exactly. That's there are all mm-hmm. autorhythmic existential expressions. Right. Yeah. The more hierarchy. To <laughs> that, that is way more power than doodle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a press release, just write that out. <laughs> like her explorations in autorhythmic expressive, whatever, and then in parentheses, doodles. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that. I think in like junior high or high school, I used to get in trouble for doodling too for doodling. much. I should have, that would have been a good uh, comeback for the teachers that it's funny because there is a little bit of a like when you're on when you used to be on the phone when you were connected to the wall and you draw on like you doodle yeah like there's a little bit of that sensibility and then in this one you have like 777 and like an area code thing yeah and that maybe that and then some of the curlies like were like you remember the i don't know does that date me the old no 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 we had the old phones the curly ones and like that line that connected you with someone else that's interesting yeah it just has that. And then there's also like a post-it note sensibility in a way too. Like there's the, the they're kind of square and they feel, there's a lot of paper that's that's turning in it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just going crazy with it. There's, in other words, there's a whole lot of things that pop up in my mind and I really love that kind of like stew that's happening out of all those ingredients. Yeah. And I can't place any of it, which is good because I think sometimes if you can place it too quickly, it it can die. You know what I mean? It yeah. just becomes like, oh, I get it. Right, right. There's a little 80s in there, too. Like, I feel a little 80s-ish. Really? You know? Yeah. Like the palette? The palette and the sort of... I don't remember Fido Dido. Mm-mm. Fido Dido was like a cartoon of this guy with like the squiggly hair and he had a dog and 
there's just that kind of okay. vibe to the mark a little bit. Yeah. But that's yeah. but I can't help like that's where part of my brain goes. Like, you know, your visual history for everyone it's different. Someone coming up to it, you know, who maybe, you know, younger or grew up in a different place would have a completely different sensibility to it, you know, but um, for me, it's that's really interesting, like all those, and then the map quality to it. Right. Like you're overlooking, like, but it's not obviously it's not a map of a city or something, but it feels like a map of movement of like, I don't know. Clearly, I can talk a lot about your work. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but you can keep going. I just blab for two hours. <laughs> Do you want to? No, I think a lot of the drawings I did as a kid were uh, sort of aerial drawings of. Um, you know, landscape or houses or, yeah, I was, I was really into that perspective. Yeah. God's eye. Um, the overview. Of, yeah. Yeah. And. Well, it's kind of, it, it's really cool because it has that feeling, but at the same time it has a feeling of flat abstraction too. So it's like that push pull between those two things. And then there's a real time element to the movement of the line where you can get stuck in there and just keep going back and forth. Yeah. I mean, I like the raw canvas, too, because it, oops, sorry, just in terms of, it does slow me down. I mean, I feel maybe these paintings have a fast feel to them, but um, pushing, like, acrylic paint around on a raw canvas is slow. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. um No, there's a different, there's a speed and a slowness to it at the same time, yeah. I think. Yeah, there's a lot, of go lot going on. So, to bring it full circle... What are what do you feel like? Like if you came into your studio and you weren't making this work, what would you think that you listen to while you're in the studio? Like what do these paintings sound like? Um, you know, I I I feel like there is sort of a feeling of like improvisation, mm -hmm. and so I hate to say it, but maybe they do feel a little like jazzy. <laughs> It's okay. You could so say it. It was almost like. But I don't listen to jazz. In you had to studio, push that out. But you forced me to answer yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I think um, even though I do draw out a lot of the structure before I paint, I leave. There's a, a lot of room for things to shift. Yeah. Um, as I'm painting. Was there a painting that you see that you feel like has an improvisational element to it that you really drawn to, whether it's current or in the past? Um, or is it something that you feel like is just a process that's unconscious? Either way, there's probably stuff you look at that you're interested in in definitely. that vein. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, maybe like Joanne Greenbaum. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of her paintings, and I feel like those feel like they have an element of improvisation. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. like um, like Frankenthaler and Morse Lewis and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, I love both of them, yeah. It's a little more composed improvisation, you know, whereas Pollock just feels like raw movement. Right. Like yeah. a Frankenthaler feels like there's a little... Intentional. Well, not that Pollock wasn't intentional, but yeah. Um, more composed. Yeah, I love Frankenthaler. And Morris Lewis is pretty and cool. And Morris Lewis is cool. Those paintings are amazing. I still can't stop liking those paintings. I know. I love them. I just randomly had posted one on Instagram and some stranger like reposted it and put like great painting by Maggie Ogden. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wish, but uh, no, that's not my painting. Um, did you actually, did you make a comment? I did make a comment because it was, yeah. I felt weird. You didn't want to own that? You weren't ready to own the Morris Lewis by default? It's like, yeah, I killed that one, didn't I? It's a little bigger I should than go back to, I should go back to that look, yeah. Yeah, that is. It's a little bigger than my current work, but some of those things are the size of a football field. It's huge, yeah. yeah you would just roll them and pour the pigment in there, which is crazy. I know. Yeah, you should have took credit for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what do you have going on? What's what's coming up? I, obviously, you're working a lot. Working a lot. Yeah. I The way I work, it's better. I'm sort of, I'm not preparing for a show. So I'm just preparing for maybe like studio visits. Really. Yeah. Um, and you just had a show, right? Had a show, what? yeah, at Embajada in San Juan, mm -hmm. Puerto Rico. It's cool. Um, how, did you go? I went. How yeah. was it? It was fun. Yeah, I was just there for five days and... Puerto Rico is a 
Well, Samoan. I just stayed in Samoan the whole yeah. time. And the food, I would just like eat fried food for every meal. I mean, when in Rome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but stayed in this really cool mid-century Airbnb with a pool. And the, the show was in this awesome space that um, used to be like a sex toy shop uh-huh. or a strip club or something. It has like a mirrored wall. It has some weird like sex history. And the, the gallery owners are awesome. And we just had fun. I did That's a book cool. for it. And hung some of the drawings and hung some prints and two paintings. Now, when you go somewhere that has a totally different light, because I think, you know, Puerto Rico, I mean, I haven't been to Puerto Rico, but, you know, going to Hawaii or going to, like, islands, yeah, different light, different feel, does that, were you kind of influenced? Did you take pictures and influenced by that color? You know, my color is already kind of islandy, I feel like, or tropical, right? Yeah, it's, like everyone too. was like, well, are you from, like, the island? You know, it just, it's sort of, the work kind of makes, made sense there because of my, the palette that I'm naturally drawn to. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to say it because I thought you were going to get irritated that I would say. <laughs> but one other thing that popped into my mind was Starburst. Oh, that's really, <laughs> because that's nothing irritates me. You can say whatever you want, it's fine. No, but in a really good way. But I mean, a lot of the paintings have a palette of their own. Yeah. But yeah. it's weird. You put in these other colors or flavors into it, but overall that has, that's the minty one and that's like the banana one. You know what I mean? Totally, yeah. Now you're like making a, me want Starburst. Um, there's like a flavor to them, which is pretty interesting, especially in relation to each other because you feel like they're moods. So you have the improvisation going on. See, I'm just going to go back in the top. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. You have the improv going on in the way that it's drawn, but then they also have this vibe to them, which is really interesting. And there's definitely some island vibes going on. Do you think that's lazy, though, if they all... Do they... It's like... If they Sometimes I wonder if if it's... uh, Maybe I shouldn't talk about... But if it's, like, lazy that they they all have this, like, one mood and it's, like sort of based in palette. No, because I think what hap- it, that could happen, but I think what happens is since initially it has that, but then you go into the painting in your eyes, once you look at it for more than like two seconds, there's all these other little colors and things going on there that makes it more complex. It's like you get the banana starburst, but then when you <laughs> no eat it, the there's starburst. you realize it's tropical and there's all these other flavors going on or something. Okay. I like it. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean that to be a bad thing. But, Does, but yeah. you know, Star Wars are good. Yeah, I like Star Wars. You get a lot of colors out of one packet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, you're, but you don't necessarily get, when you travel, you don't, it doesn't, you no, kind of have your own So, I, I did a primigene residency out in Idaho, uh-huh. Bora Bora. Um, well, that's a different landscape. Totally different yeah. landscape. And was very like brown when I was out there and I thought but I still was like drawn back to the, these tropical starburst colors yeah. I guess that um come naturally to me but um but yeah no I think I, I mean not every place that I go I'm sure things come into the work Seep in. yeah 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 because there's like little f- sort of figurative elements in the drawings like suns or like trees and things like that that you can picture coming from the landscape but it just embeds itself into the language of your paintings but yeah and the text really works too like it's really interesting how they become like brushstrokes in a way yeah I think that was one of the reasons why I first started like was interested in text too and yeah how it was just like text as mark making yeah um I'm putting less and less text in, in these new ones, but uh, they feel balanced. You know, like the text and the the amount of representational things in there, and then the abstraction. It feels like a good balance. So when when people want to check out your work, where do they go? I have a website. Do you, is that what you mean? Yeah. But that I don't. I haven't updated since 2015. In terms of my paintings, so right. they're old paintings on there. Um, but I use Instagram too. You do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can at see. your name at Maggie Ogden. Yeah, mm-hmm. my full name is Margot, which I decided to use professionally, but then continued to go by Maggie. Oh, so, so when I introduce <laughs> when I introduce you on this, do I go Maggie or Margot? Whatever <laughs> you can do, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. I don't know. It was like, I always thought, oh, when I'm like go to high school, I'm going to go by Margot. It never did. But I was mm-hmm. like, when I get to college, I'm going to go by Margot. It never did. So then I was like, okay, when I start showing, I'll just use Margot. And my, uh, 
So I was like, okay, yeah, you should do that, but then you have to continue to like introduce yourself as Margot. But Maggie's nice. Maggie and it's I'm like used more, to it. Yeah. yeah. We'll do that. Anyways. Sorry. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. I'm so excited. This was just a big excuse to come see your paintings in person. So thanks so much for taking Thank the time. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Letting me come in. And, and um, yeah, everyone should check out your work. But thank you. Okay. Thank thanks. you. Find images of the artist's work, studios, and exhibitions on the podcast website, soundandvisionpodcast.com. The introduction, narration, and music was provided by Michael Lovett of Nazca Lives. All other music was made by Lullatone, based out of Nagoya, Japan. Sound and Vision is produced, edited, recorded, and organized by myself, Ryan Alfred. You can find more about my work at paintchanger.com. Thanks for listening.